Well, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. Help me not to speak words that are mine, Lord, but words that are given by your Spirit, that we might be set afire, that we would be transformed in your presence, and we would see your hand at work and your hope would be restored. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was 10 years old, um, we got to do a trip of a lifetime with a family, um, which may have, to some of you, seemed like a trip of absolute terror, uh, because um, six of us piled in a Suburban with a pop-up trailer behind us, and Dad strung together some uh, contacts for work across the country, and we took six weeks and went out to California and back and camped along the way. When we got to Yellowstone, it was one of those moments that was just incredible. Um, Yellowstone, if you've never been, it's, it's well worth I mean, our country has so much to see just within its borders. It's, it's phenomenal, the things that we get to see. And uh, if you know the Arbox, they, they have hit every state just about uh, and had a chance to, to camp and see so much of it. Um, we... We didn't get to see it all, but when we got to Yellowstone, it was just glorious, the things that we got to see. Um, we, we went fishing in the lake and had our limit within a half an hour. Every single one of us had caught uh, rainbow trout that were over uh, the, the, the size limit, and um, the whole family was just like, well, we have the boat for like six hours. What are we going to do now? <laughs> um, it was fun. And, you know, saw mountains and uh, Old Faithful and, um, you know, we were tired by that point. So uh, there was lots of grumbling in the car. And my father says to us when we arrived in Yellowstone and set up our camper, he said, we're going to see the top half of Yellowstone today and the bottom half tomorrow. And you're going to like it. <laughs> he was so tired of our grumbling, but um, it, you get stuck in a car. My brother and I were in the back of the car, had a totally different vacation than everybody else because we saw not what was in front of us, but what was behind us. I bring it up because years later, um, the, the year that Kristen and I got married in 88, we uh, experienced the fire of Yellowstone. Millions of acres just burned to the ground. And, you know, the pictures of, of that and the devastation that went through that area and homes that were burnt. And you just think of that beauty of Yellowstone and you think it all burned to the ground. And yet, if we were fi uh, farmers or if we were uh, tree growers or if we were people who understood the cycle of life in growth, farmers would often uh, burn their crops at the end of a season. So that they could take a field and either let it lay fallow for a year and turn in those nutrients uh, of that, that dead growth that they burned up, or it would just be the nutrients that were there for the next season. If you go to Yellowstone today, you would never know. You just would never know that, that it was all burned out. Now, there are sections that have had fires, but not to the devastation that was in 88. But you would never know that everything was burned down, all of these full-growth live trees. You just would never know because all of those things have become part of the system that's re-nourished the soil and re-brought forth trees and brought back new life. 
Why do I say this? Well, because I really believe that there's times in our lives where we feel like we're burnt out. Do you feel burnt out? I won't say the C word. I promised last week that I'm done talking about it. Um, but I, I can say that I, f- I feel the, the sense of, in the culture around us, of lost hope. And we hear this word from Isaiah this morning that says uh, that the Lord is sovereign and the Lord is sending his chosen one that, that he might put his spirit upon him and bring forth justice to the nations. This is unjust, Lord. Do you feel the unjust nature of this? We have people, we have families that are divided. We have churches that are divided. We have mindsets that are divided. This country is more divided than it's ever been. And it's, you know, a flashpoint is this stuff that we've been dealing with for the last couple of years because we believe that we're right in Jesus' name. Oftentimes when we get that vigilant about it, we kind of go, oops, <laughs> afterward. Because we realize we're putting God, words in God's mouth and we're not really sure fully what he's allowed and how he's using it. How's he changing the atmosphere? I certainly uh, know that in this last two years, we've cared more about people than stuff. And the Lord has woken us up. And when people have gone We've gotten a reminder again and again and again that they were the Lord's to begin with. They weren't ours to hold. They weren't ours to keep. They were the Lord's to begin with. So I struggle with all of the things that are going on because in the flesh, I want to respond to it in a particular way. Yet in the spirit... I know that I have to trust the Lord's sovereign nature. He had planned from the beginning of time, even though we had walked away from his divine power and plan, that he had planted a root out of which a seed would come to establish for generations upon generations upon generations that would never be changed. That in David would come the one who would bring the fullness and the majesty and the justice that we know in Jesus. And yet it's hard to believe when we're fighting that garbage every day, right? We're sitting here feeling like we're, we're burnt out. Well, in many ways, um, we have to remember, and this promise in Isaiah 42 says, a bruised reed, he won't break. And a dimly smoldering or dimly lit can't wick, he won't snuff out. He's placed a fire in his people that he's not going to let go out. He's not going to let this fire that is what we'll hear, the Holy Spirit, go out in us. We have to come to him and allow him to work. Allow him to reveal to us what he's doing. Allow him to show us the way. And in that, trust him. Remember when you were a kid and you'd stand on a rock wall or you'd climb up something that was way too high and then you realized? And then the fear made it impossible to get down out of that tree. You know, you were up in that tree. You were so far up. You were just like, this was cool getting up. But right now, I don't know how to get down. We have this sort of fight or flight reflex and 
Um, one of my favorite musicians tells a story, uh, David Wilcox tells a story of this woman who was in Africa and she was treed by a hyena. And his question to her once they scared the hyena away was, how you get up there? <laughs> I jumped, <laughs> was her answer. But in her normal ability, she was never going to reach that limb to get up in that tree. But because of her reflex and her her fright and her desire to get away from something that could hurt her, she jumped high. But there was always that person or that thing that was there to say, just come, come on. Come on, son, I'll catch you. Come on, daughter, I'll catch you. It's, it's all right. You're going to be okay. And we had to trust that those arms that were there were actually going to catch us and not let us fall to the ground and get hurt. Well, that's exactly what Isaiah is, is telling us, is you can trust God. And he starts right off with, um, Behold my servant whom I behold my chosen, in whom my soul delights. If you want to have a restored joy in your life, a real balance of, of just earth, immovable, unshakable, un -under non-understandable joys, this place where you can feel unfettered, then trust me, because I've established it from the beginning of time. He will not cry out or lift up his voice or be heard in the street. And he's not going to snuff out uh, the fire that's been placed in the nations. We hear this word because we need to hear again and again. We want to say, help, <laughs> I'm stuck in the tree again. <laughs> Daddy, where are you? And he says, jump. And he closes this section and goes into some, or some, Isaiah 43 as well. And he says, can't you see I'm doing a new thing? It's all right. Open your mind, open your eyes, open yourself to see and receive. There's more. And that's his message to you today. There's more. If you feel like you're burnt and you don't have, you know, we've got to start where we start, okay? And so this is the evangelist in me, and I say, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, would you begin one? It's really simple. All you got to do is ask. Say, Lord, reveal yourself to me today. I'm hungry. I'm waiting. I'm watching. If you need some information to help you get there, read the Gospel of John. It's just a really good place to start, to start to chew on. Who is Jesus? How does he reflect the heart of God? Why does he tell us that love matters so much and that he, he's come to bring light and life? Why are those themes so over and over and over and over again in the book of John? It's because John wrote from Revelation and John wanted us to see the full revelation of God in Jesus. Don't you see I'm doing a new thing? Well, today when we heard in the gospel lesson, we, we heard... Um, the story of the baptism. And we see uh, that Jesus is, is about to be baptized and we hear of John. Uh, John answered all of the questions that were coming at him and he says, I baptize you with water, but you ain't seen nothing yet. The one who's coming will baptize you with fire. Are you ready to be set on fire 
John Wesley was attributed a saying, some people will argue that he never said it, but John Wesley was attributed with the saying, I want to be set on fire by God so people can come and watch me burn. Whoever it was, whether it was Wesley or whoever, that's, that's a sentiment that sometimes I don't live in. I live in this, oh, I'm a dull wick. I've got enough to see in front of me. You know, uh, you know, don't mess with a good thing. I'll take what I've got. And then I'll get into the middle of the stream and I'll feel the power. I'll feel the presence of God and I'll go, I want more. He's got more for me. I sat in a hospital in Seneca, South Carolina when I drowned and I was in the middle of being worked over and, you know, they tell me that I wasn't conscious so I can't remember any of this, but I remember every detail because the presence of God was so thick and full on me. I was just like, live or die, I'm yours. It doesn't matter. And I had kids, I had wife, I had a mortgage, I had car payments, I had all the stuff that distracts us with all the life stuff. But none of that mattered. Didn't mean I didn't love them. Didn't mean that those problems weren't real. It just meant that I was so in his presence, so lost in his love, that nothing else mattered. I wanted to be set on fire. Well, why would I want fire? You heard me talk about Yellowstone. Fire is damaging. It destroys. It destroys. We recognize that when we want the fruit of our labors, when we want the fullness of what God's going to do, there's a part of that that is consequential. The consequences of getting the wheat is that the chaff has to be removed. And the chaff is going to be burned up. And we don't want to be a part of the chaff, right? And we don't want our loved ones to be a part of the chaff. And when we realize it and we're really immersed in the water of his presence, we don't want anyone to be burned by that fire. We're hungry for people to see what we see. In Luke uh, chapter 3 that we heard from this morning, it says, And as the people were in expectation and all men were in their hearts thinking um, uh, about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John said, uh, Until then I indeed baptized with water, but one that is greater than I, whose sandals I cannot, I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. If you've been um, watching the, the news or thinking about what I said about uh, Yellowstone, you'll understand that, that fires destroy thousands of acres, of fires burn out of control, firefighters are getting killed right and left, uh, animals are destroyed, businesses are, are destroyed. It's a difficult process to fight fire. Thousands of people were uh, displaced when the fires went through uh, Yellowstone. And all the undergrowth and the, um, the air wasn't breathable, all of the, the things that would normally be beautiful were just brought to ashes. Nobody knows what the cause was. Nobody knows how it started. Um, we all, when I was a kid, I used to burn ants with a magnifier. Do you ever do that? 
Um, yeah, I was a little masochist. I'm sorry. Um, you know, you get out a magnifying lens or you get out a piece of glass and you reflect the light until it burns and you can burn a piece of paper if you hit it right. So who knows whether it was somebody who actually started a fire and didn't put it out properly as we were taught in scouts. But you have to know that it could have been just simply a bottle was left somewhere where the sun caught the light and it refracted just right to catch something smoldering. It's possible. As we read the stories of such fires, we understand that um, that fire, this is unquenchable, that fire that is unstoppable, that fire that is not understandable, unintelligible. Why would we, why would it be possible for that to start and to destroy such beauty? And yet, a similar fire was started 2,000 years ago as the church began. The promise was the, the prophesied word of God that one would come and he would baptize with fire. Not just cleanse us with water. You heard me at the beginning of the service explain that we start our service with this constant, you know, back to the colic for purity, uh, you know, to whom no secrets are hid. Whatever you're trying to hide, the Lord sees it. He knows it. And his, yet his mercy endures forever. The justice that will come is you're not living in freedom. You're living bound by the stuff of your flesh and this world that you could be free of if you'd let the Holy Spirit in. There was a, a pamphlet that was handed out, I think I may have referred to it last week, by uh, an unger uh, it was called My Heart, Christ's Home. And uh, it was a story of the Lord coming through your house and then getting to your closet. And you're going, no, 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 no thanks. You can stay out of there. Uh, having gone through all the other places, I'm sure if you allowed the Lord in real time to go through all of those areas of your house and correct and rebuke and uh, direct your life in those areas, you might be a bit ashamed, but when you get to the closet of all those deep, deep things that you're hiding, that's where he wants to go most. That's where he wants to deal with us most. So that those things are out of the way. It was prophesied that, that uh, in the Old Testament that fire would come, uh, a fire not created by man, but uh, a fire that was a consuming fire a fire that still burns today, and we heard it in the scripture today, uh, that people were waiting expectantly or were wondering if their, the, the hearts, in their hearts if John could be the Christ, and they heard this promise again from John. I, I wash you with water and repentance. Those are early steps. Those are the first steps you heard me say. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you, don't ha if you have a yearning in your heart to know more and to know him more, then begin by asking him to come in. But the next step is to be cleansed, is to confess. You accept that he could be the Lord. Ask him to come in and reveal himself to you, but you have to allow yourself to be washed. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In 1 John, he doesn't say, 
He's faithful and his justice will wipe you out. It says he's faithful and just. His justice is different from our justice. His justice is so merciful. This morning I was sharing a story on the early struggle with the uh, leaving the Episcopal Church and coming to the Anglican Church and people took sides and Christians were fighting with each other and uh, you know, pointing fingers and saying, you know, you're staying with the bride of Satan and you're arrogant and you've left the church and blah, 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 blah. All these things were going on. And I confronted our archbishop with it and I said, Bob, what are we doing? They've stolen all of our, our 30-somethings from church. They've left and now they're throwing bombs at us. He goes, can you bless it? I said, excuse me? No, I can't bless it. That's why I'm asking you. What am I supposed to do? These jerks have stolen all my good people. That was my growth quotient. Those are the people that were going to help us to reach the lost and, you know, go out and, and find new families to join us. How else am I going to justify my existence? And that's the way we think. And the archbishop in his beautiful candor with his big Scottish eyebrows. <laughs> Bishop Duncan, you remember Bishop Duncan? He said, oh, Dan, just bless them. They believe as we believe. They're bringing people to Christ. They have good Anglican uh, theology. They, they are a three streams people. They, they don't know that they're lobbing bombs at you, but just forgive them. They've already decided to go. Don't carry the weight of shame and anger on your back. Release them and bless them that they might be filled with the Lord, the Holy Spirit, where they are. Wow. I was undone by that. Because that's not the answer I wanted. I wanted an answer of retribution. I don't want it to go, you know, bang, bang, Maxwell's hammer came down upon his head, you know. <laughs> There was a bishop involved. He was started this, you know, ragtag group of Anglicans. And I was very angry. <laughs> and then I realized, you're right. They're doing the same things as we are doing. God promises he'll pour out his spirit on us. It's not going to hit us in the way we expect. It's not going to be manageable in a way that we can manage and fit our design. We have to trust that it is unquenchable, that it's uncontrollable, <coughs> that it brings us to places we might not want to go. And it confronts people around us in a way that might burn them out so that something new can live in its place. people were in expectation in this text they were looking to uh to the one and wondering is is john the christ they were expecting the messiah to come but they had put the messiah in a little god box right and in that god box he could only come a certain way and he would take over rome and he would move out the oppressor but instead he comes with the promised holy spirit Jesus had promised that he, to his disciples that he was going away in John 14. And he wouldn't leave them without hope. He wouldn't snuff out that candle. He wouldn't leave them comfortless. He promised that 
he would leave his peace, that he would leave the Holy Spirit with them. There is a world of trouble and pain around us, and this world needs to hear that there's hope, that there's one that can live inside of them, that can level the playing field, that can burn out all of the garbage of this world and help us to see with healthy perspective that God's in control. We don't have to be angry at the circumstances around us. We don't have to be uh, zealous in being in people's faces about things we don't agree with. We just need to proclaim the truth as the Holy Spirit guides, directs, and delivers us to speak. Sometimes that's uncomfortable. Sometimes we learn that we were wrong. We thought that we were operating in what the Lord told us to speak, and he allowed us to so that we could grow and we could learn. In Acts chapter 2, it says, in verse 38, it says, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, I already talked about how there's a pattern to things. If we want to build a relationship with the Lord, we first need to say, yes, Lord, there's something I'm hungry for. I want to have a relationship with you, and therefore, I'm going to make the step. I'm going to, even if I can't remember things that I've done that have come between me and you, I'm just going to say them as many as I can out loud so I can be burnt, burnt to the core, cleansed, washed. Wash me, Lord, so that I might be able to be clean. Once we've confessed that, we've got the ability at that point in time to decide to say, not only do I want you to fix me from the outside, but would you deliver me and live inside of me? Fix me from the inside out. Things I can't understand, things I can't even put into words. I remember hearing somebody speak in tongues for the first time growing up in a tiny little colonial uh, New England church and thought, well, that is not done as Anglicans do. It's not decently and in good order. It sounds like they're saying, could have bought a condo, could have bought a condo, should have bought a Honda, should have bought a Honda, shamalama ding dong. I mean, we we hear tongues for the first time and we have no idea what's going on until I experienced it for myself. And I realized that the utterances that sound like gibberish to me just in my flesh are me being able to express that which I can't keep up with in the flesh. And the Holy Spirit fell on the people of Israel in this time when uh, Jesus said, go into the upper room and wait wait for the Holy Spirit to arrive. It's not just there so that you can be cleaned from the outside of your filthiness, as it says in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning at verse 25, says, Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you will be clean, and all your filth will be washed from all your idols, and I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you, a new spirit I'll put within you, And I'll take away that stony heart of flesh. God wants to change us. He wants to change me. 
So if you're in a place where you feel stuck, if you're in a place where you feel frightened, if you're in a place where you can't breathe because um, there just doesn't seem to be that comfort zone and you feel like you have no hope, I'm here today to say you've got hope. God wants your life to be clean. He wants to wash away your sins. He loves you beyond all measure. He died for your sins and he wants to forgive those sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In Acts chapter 2, 120 people were the plan. 120 people came into the upper room. Disciples, some men and women were gathered together, and the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to one another as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we know from the testimonies that that utterance was uh, understood in multiple languages, so real languages, so it helped be an affirmation to those who are hearing it. But I don't know if it was actually those languages or if the Holy Spirit translated. Because sometimes I've been in the presence of somebody speaking in tongues and it sounds like unintelligible utterance and the person next to me going, he's speaking in, in Spanish. He's, he's speaking my dialect from, from where I grew up. That's just wild to me because that's not what I heard. I know Spanish. You know, if it were some other language that I didn't know, I'd kind of go, yeah, okay. I believe it if you believe it. But I didn't hear Spanish. God allowed this to happen <coughs> so that everybody in the path of that fire would be consumed, that heat would be intense, and that God's fire was set to consume everything that it touched it says that 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. Man, I want to experience that. Problem is, I, I want to experience it because I think in the flesh, wow, that'd be cool if St. Luke's church could go from 60 people to 3,000 people in one day. Yeah! That's, that's not why the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost so he could trans, transform lives. You have the ability to be out there and transform lives in the world in such a way that it doesn't matter where they join a church. Just bless them. Bless them. Get your, get your blowtorch out and burn them to pieces. The Holy Spirit's put that in you. Just share the, the fire that he's placed within you. They all began to speak in tongues, and that heat was so intense that 3,000 came to know him and um, it wasn't just the disciples, those in the upper room. It didn't stop there. But it's where we are today. And we look at the church and we go, oh, the poor, blemished, rabid, broken, leprous bride of Christ. Right? We look at the church and see it broken. And we see it divided over theology, divided over practice. Oh, those Anglicans, they wear dresses on Sunday. And they call him father. Tisk, tisk, tisk. I mean, we, we get bent out of shape about the wrong things. Because we arrive at church on Sunday, myself included. We arrive in church on Sunday with the expectation that we're going to receive God the way we want to receive God. We've not shown up this morning. I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell this to you. Like, I'm going to burst your bubble. But you did not come here today to be entertained. You, got, you came here so that you could hear the word of God and go out there with it. 
It wasn't so that you could feel better. I hope you feel better. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're fired up. I hope you want fire in your life. But the fire that I speak of is not going to make you feel warm and fuzzy all the time. It's going to put you in hard places. That fire in the early church didn't mean that Satan didn't stop trying. Satan's been hard at me this week. Hard at me. Tired of it. I want his fire to be so consuming that I forget that Satan doesn't want that consuming fire to come upon his church. But a bruised reed and a burning wick, he will not snuff out. So how do we get this fire burning? What are the conditions that require, are required for fire? I love those new solo stoves. I drool over them every time I'm on Facebook Marketplace. You know those fires that are smokeless, those stainless steel ones that are made so that the air oxygen just really stokes that fire. Have you ever seen those? Well, if you haven't, go to Facebook Marketplace. You'll, you'll find them. They're always there. I know. I'm encouraging you to sin. Don't do it. Um, we have to have a flammable substance, something that will burn. It's got to be a desire. It's got to be a hunger. I hungered for the Holy Spirit. I wanted so badly for the Holy Spirit to come. I wanted to bark like a dog and speak in tongues and rival on the floor because that's what I thought went along with it. And that's what it takes. I finally had yielded my soul to it. And the person that prayed for me say, said, close your eyes, Morgan. Lord, if Dan were to have the Holy Spirit the way he expected, he'd explode. Amen. <laughs> like, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Don't pray like that. What do you mean? He goes, you're, you're putting too much on God. Just trust him. And the way the Lord came into my life was so powerful and so real, but so gentle, so burning. I can feel his hands on my back. I can feel the hair stand up on the back of my neck. His presence is so thick, it makes me want to scream out with joy and cry with this overwhelming sense of delight and awe at who he is in my life. I have so much because of his presence. I have so much to be thankful for. Well, secondarily, we need fuel. Fuel must be heated or kindled to a particular temperature, and there's got to be oxygen we got to be open and open and open and open. The air's got to feed into our lives. So there's, if there's not enough oxygen, uh, you can fan a fire and move it into flame, even if it's just smoldering. And you perform this process uh, until you have a blazing fire, and that's what we've got to do. You've come here today to stoke the fire. If you don't have the fire, then we're going to pray at the end of this. We're going to pray that the fire begins in you today. It doesn't have to be uh, to overwhelm you in a way that makes you a weirdo. It doesn't have to be something that you have a complete loss of control, but the Lord will take you into uncontrollable places. And you've got to trust that what he wants to give you is better than what you've got. And there's more. The substance that needs to be burned was at that point in time in Acts chapter 2 was 120 people. We have to wait for him to come. We've got to give it some time. I don't know what your days are like, but tomorrow, give me, give me, 
you don't believe it from the Lord and for yourself, give me 20 minutes. Just get up and carve 20 minutes away in your morning just to be quiet. Say, come, Lord. Come, I'm hungry. I want more. I don't get quiet enough. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I want to hear you. If you spent 20 minutes just doing that, I promise he's going to show up in your day with more oxygen than you know what to do with. You'll be so lit up. The kindling heat of that, that fire, that, that burning inside of you, it's got to be prayer and worship. And if you're not a worshiper and you can't, you know, you want, you'll kill too many people with your voice and you only sing in the shower, crank up the tunes in your car. Fill your day with good things. We hear so many other things. I, I crank up music. I, I'm a classic rock kind of guy. I'm definitely a boy of the 80s. And, and let me tell you, I'll, I'll hear a little ZZ Top and I'm like, yeah. Um, I, I, I want that grind. I want that grit. I, want, I love, you know, southern rock and blues. I, I, I love that sound. But every single thing, you got it. Third day, it's got that. Every single genre of whatever you like, the, the Christian realm has out there. And, and, and thank God for the music that you do like that's secular because the Lord can speak through it. Let that kindle inside you prayer and worship. Let your day be filled. Paul says he prays unceasingly. I, I remember when I thought about that for the first time, I said, that's impossible. What, what a waste of a day. That person's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. How do you get anything done if you're constantly praying? Well, let me tell you, you're getting it all done. Because as you're driving along and the ambulance passes you by, you say, bless them, Lord. And as you're thinking about your son and your daughter and you wish they'd pick up the phone and call, you say, bless them, Lord. And as you're thinking about the people that are in the hospital or home with that word, um, you say, bless them, Lord. And your whole day can be a blessing to others. And if you don't believe that that matters, let me tell you, when I was in that hospital in Seneca, South Carolina, there were hundreds of people praying for me, and I could feel it. It was like somebody was ripping off the layers of junk off of me. The freedom that I felt was incredible. Last thing, the oxygen. Three words. Come, Holy Spirit. It's the breath of God is the breath of God. It's only going to come from one place. For us, we just need to be in a place where we just say, I can't do it without you. I can't, I can't breathe without oxygen. I know so many people who are needing oxygen to be forced into them right now so that their lungs will do what their lungs do for the body. It's a cleansing power. And it's going to overcome all this stuff we're fighting right now. The tongues of fire that fell on these people at Pentecost, the spontaneous combustion is exactly what we want for St. Luke's. I've been pre preaching a rule of life. The rule of life is availability, submission to the heart and person of God so that we just say on a daily basis, I'm going to quiet down. I'm going to do these simple patterns and you're going to pour in your jet fuel. And that jet fuel is going to change every circumstance. I got nothing, Lord. Seminary, I was starting to do hospital visitation. And let me tell you, that was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life because 
I thought, what do I have to say to these people? Their situation is broken. There's hopelessness in the midst of this situation. And I got nothing. And you know what I heard back? Trust me. So I walk in that hospital and I start to listen. As I listen, the Lord informed me how to pray. As the Lord informed me how to pray, he's, he told me time and time and time and time again, never leave home without it. It's not an American Express card. In my pocket, typically, it's in my other jacket, is a vial attached to my keychain, and it's got holy oil on it. Let the symbol of my presence, the, the power of my spirit, be the very thing that fuels what changes this person. You can't fix them, but you can pray in my name with the power that comes from my spirit so that they might be transformed. The Holy Spirit is uncontrollable, unpredictable, irresistible. John Wimber, you've heard me say, some of you have heard me use this reference. He was sitting in the airport once, and he sat down at one of those airport seats that are supposed to be comfortable while you're waiting for a plane, but they're the most uncomfortable things on the planet. And he's sitting in about five seats down, everything in between him empties. A woman sits, and as he's reading something or doing something, she looks over. She looks over again. She moves down one chair, a little closer. Maybe she was uncomfortable. Maybe there was a spring out of that seat. I don't know. She starts to look at Wimber again, and she's staring a little longer and watching his mannerisms, and she moves down another seat. And then another, and then another. And John Wimber, if you don't know who he is, he was the founding pastor of the Vineyard Church. And uh, the way he started was he, he got uh, blasted by the Lord and was, gave his life to Christ. And when he gave his life to Christ, the next Sunday morning, he went into a church that was a traditional mainline church, and he walked up to the ushers, and he goes, when do we get to do the stuff? And the usher goes, excuse me? He says, the stuff, man. Give sight to the blind. Make the lame walk. Raise the dead. When do we get to do the stuff? And the usher very naturally and very sincerely said, oh, I'm sorry, we don't do that here. It was at that moment that Wimber left and said, I'm going to go somewhere where they do that because that's what the church is. They pray with faith and they believe that lives are transformed. We prayed with faith this week that our dear brother Bob would be healed when he was rushed to the hospital. We don't know what caused what. Everybody wants to ask me, did he have this? Did he have that? What caused this? You know, we know that he's in the loving hands of the Lord, that he is whole. And we need to pray for Betty to have that wick, that candle in her life not be snuffed out by the anger or the fear or the things that the enemy would love to plant right now. So we need to surround her with love. But we don't deny Bob the gift, the reward, the peace that he has today. We take joy with him. While we grieve our loss, we still take joy with him. So today's your day. If you were to look at Matthew 13 and you'd hear the parable of the sower, you'd hear this, this story presented in such a way where you realize at the end of the story, you know, sorry to give it away if you haven't read it before, but the story goes on to tell us uh, that um, we need to 
plant seed in good ground. And that good ground that's prepared for us is prepared by the Holy Spirit. It can't be our just our work, but it, it has to be the Holy Spirit's work. Then the purpose of the parable is spoken of afterward, and Jesus says, then the disciples came and said, why do, we speak, why do you speak in parables? And he says, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. They didn't understand the secrets. That's why they were asking him. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have it in an abundance. But to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak in parables, because seeing they don't see and hearing they don't, they don't hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, their case, the prophecy of Isaiah, is fulfilled, where it says, you will indeed hear when you've never understood. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ear, with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed lest they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. So let's, let me ask you to, to do this today. Wherever you are with the Lord, would you stand with me? You don't have to stand, so if you prefer to sit, I'm just going to ask you to ask him to receive him in a way that you need. You need that f- oxygen. You need the fuel. You need the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I can't have you come up here and have everybody crowd and not be socially distanced properly, but stand up and let the Lord do a work in you today, even if it's that first thing to say yes to him and begin a relationship. So you'll hear, you'll see, you'll perceive, you'll know how to react in this life. Amen? Let's stand. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, for those who are standing here this morning and for the first time realize that they've never said, I believe it. I believe that you're the Lord. Help my unbelief. Let that be our starting prayer this morning. We believe, Lord, that you are the Lord of all time and history. We believe that you are at creation. We believe that you had set from the beginning of time a plan that justice would be filled through your own sacrifice. And so, Father, we confess that we are a broken people. We are an unclean people with unclean lips, and we know that you from only you from your temple will bring a fire that can cauterize those wounds and heal us. So we say now, come, Holy Spirit. Come with fire. Burn us out. Cleanse us with that that all-consuming fire. Don't leave one scrap unburnt, Lord, so that we don't have to worry about the closet that we're hiding, so we don't have to not tell you the stories that we're ashamed of, so we can be rid of the fear that's consumed us. Fill us, Holy Spirit, so that we might speak in other languages, so that we might know the gifting and the power of your Holy Spirit, and let that be the pattern of our life. Lord, let that be the rule of our life, that we would daily be converted, that we would understand who you are in prayer and 
uh, in study, in um, relationships with one another, in hospitality, in all of the areas in which we, we just sometimes take for granted and let the circumstances of the world consume us. We release them to you, and Lord, we pray that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and minds to understand what you would want us to do with this fire that you want others to have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.